sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. This is Letty Medina, and I'm your host this week for this version of Healing the Whole Person. We're on WSFI Antioch 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. And this week, because we are on the stay-at-home order, I decided to interview my oldest daughter, Rachel Medina. So welcome, Rachel. Hi. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Well, the reason I wanted to, I've actually had it on my heart to have Rachel as a guest, um, because she has a beautiful story of healing. Um, She's had a a beautiful walk with the Lord um, since she was about 16, um, when she kind of had a conversion. So why don't we start, though, Rachel, by sharing a little bit about who you are now, what you're doing, how old you are, little little information for the guests, listeners. Sure. So, my name is Rachel, I am your oldest daughter, and I recently, by recently, about, it's coming up on three years, graduated from Franciscan University of Steubenville, Ohio, and I ended up graduating with a bachelor's in science and nursing. So I've been a nurse for the past two years at St. Catherine's Medical Center, working with um, medically unstable and surgically stable patients. Um, Recently, very recently, I just accepted a job on a labor and delivery unit, which I'm really, really excited about because that has been my long-term goal for the past, I would say, 10 years. It's what really wanted me to get into nursing. Um, Since this quarantine, I've been focused a lot on sleeping, (laughs) Um, not gaining the, the, you know, quarantine 15 and just focusing on my hobbits, my family and prayer life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you grew up with two fabulous Catholic (laughs) parents, if I may say so myself, but, uh, you know, why don't you, um, share a little bit about how, when was it that your faith became personal for you instead of just, oh, my parents take me to church every Sunday? Um, honestly, from a very young age, I have been fascinated with the Catholic faith. I know that from third grade throughout high school, it was the motions of, you know, I go to to Sunday, you know, mass to Sunday school. I pray before meals. I pray before I go to sleep. But what actually sparked my interest in faith, my awe and my wonder was you, mom, like you, you read the stories of the saints to me when I was very young. So that actually made me pretty popular in school because I knew all these amazing stories of floating saints and incorruptible (laughs) bodies. (laughs) And it it made me kind of weird, but it just, it really fascinated. It was like, wow, God is pretty cool. And I want to be a saint. And I, I want him to touch me in my life the way he's touched all of these people. Um, and so I remember that very clearly, but as you know, I went on throughout my grade school years, I became a little bit more complacent in the idea of, I know a lot more about my faith than most of my friends do. I'm pretty, you know, I'm sitting nice and pretty in this holy chair and nothing can kind of tear me down. And that kind of followed me through grade school and into the very early months of high school, as Um, you know. Yes, I do know very well. (laughs) So there was a, a, a pretty drastic, dramatic turning point in yeah. your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a painful moment. Absolutely. Um, why don't you share what happened? Well, just two months into attending Carmel Catholic High School, I was caught stealing from a purse I found in the girls' bathroom, and I was immediately expelled. Yeah. So that definitely threw a wrench in my plan of being a saint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thrust from a school of 800 into a school of 4,000, and Satan basically did a number on me. He threw me into a world of darkness, made me feel isolated, made me feel hopeless, made me feel like there was nothing I could do to regain the trust of you and Mm -hmm. and Dad, Mm -hmm. or any of my friends, and it was really, really, really hard. Yeah. 
I remember those days. Those were very dark days for for both of us Absolutely. in particular, I think, because it was yeah. like I was involved as the youth minister at our <laughs> church, and then my daughter gets kicked out of the high school, and it's like humble pie. Oh, man. There were stories of me getting taken away by the cops. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But, yeah. It was, it was very painful. But um, God is good. Mm-hmm. And he never leaves us, right? Amen. And he is a merciful God. So what happened What happened next? Like, you know, you went to, to uh, Warren High School, big big public high school. Mm-hmm. Um, was it uh, easy to fit in? Absolutely not. <laughs> of course not. It was really, really, really hard. I pretty much lost my faith almost entirely, other than you still letting me stay in the house, you know, I figured dad and mom are going to kick me out, you know, but you guys were amazing and you still, um, encouraged me to come to church. Not that that was ever an option not to come in the house. Um, but you know, I still went to church. Um, but everything else in regards to my faith kind of just became stagnant. I didn't, I had never gone to confession after, um, stealing and then lying to you and dad. No, I didn't do it. You know, no, of course I would never. But so that definitely was eating away at me for months and months before I ever came clean to you guys. And yeah, I just figured I'm the abandoned child. God is not going to look my way again. I really, really royally screwed this up. You know, um, at school, I did not fit in well. I, had no friends. I had nowhere to sit at lunch. And I know you only see this in the movies, but I really did eat in the bathroom. I ate in the bathroom for a long time with my tray and my pizza. And it was bad. Pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It was a dark, dark time for you. Um, and you know, just again, to remind our listeners that when people fall, right. And we all fall, Mm -hmm. everybody makes mistakes. Everybody sins. Okay. So this, this sin is just one of, you know, many that, you know, many of us could list. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wounds us. It wounds us. It hurts us. It does cause separation from God in a sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you suffered a lot because of that mistake. Mm -hmm. And then the enemy, like you said, does kind of try to convince you that, oh yeah, you're never you're never going to get out of this hole that mm-hmm. you dug for yourself. Yeah, and I listened to him. Yeah. I listened to him for months. Yeah. For months, I was believing the His lies. lies. Yeah. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a hard hard time for people yeah. um, when they've been hit down so hard. So what was um, kind of a, a redeeming moment um, in your journey? Who kind of came <laughs> to your rescue? Um one of my best friends to this day saw me eating alone finally after months once again of eating alone and she came up to me and said hi I've noticed that you're always eating here alone would you want to come and sit at my table with me my name's Allie and I jumped at it and I was like yes absolutely please be my friend you know please and she was the weirdest quirkiest, rebellious, prettiest girl I'd ever met. And she has become one of my best friends, my sister in Christ. And I love her. And I hope she's listening because it's all true. And she's amazing. And yeah, six years later, she's the only friend I keep in touch with from high school. Isn't that amazing? And I call that the gift of holy friendship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what was so amazing is that our friendship budded into her coming to church with our family. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit later down the road after my conversion, but... Yeah, no, that's a beautiful, um, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So can you share a little bit about how uh, Mother Mary has become a part of your journey? I would love to. The Blessed Mother has been such a big part of our entire family, Mom. Ever since, I would say, the Lord pulled you to come to Medjugorje... And you had such a drastic conversion in your own heart. You went there saying, Lord, begging the Lord to just heal you. You said, Lord, change me. Change my heart. Start a fire. You wanted healing, even if you didn't know that's what you were asking for. And he started healing the little broken bits and pieces of your heart that life had damaged, you know. And a life without Christ, that's what happens. So over time, you ended up coming to just have such a profound love for the Blessed Mother, and you consecrated all of your children 
to her when we were so young. So I don't think I even ever had a choice of whether or not I was going to love the Blessed Mother. She is my mom, and I love her. And she has made such a drastic difference in my own walk with the Lord. She has protected me. She has come to my aid when Satan has been prowling about, and she has stomped on his head. And it's been amazing to have such a role model to run to when, you know, I am stumbling in my own faith. And I believe that she's the one who brought me Allie. I believe she's the one that pulled me through those dark times. I'm the, I, I believe that she is the reason that I am partially the person that I am today. She is such, such a woman of faith and I want to be like her, just yeah. like I want to be like you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think um, just again to explain for our listeners um, who maybe don't have as close a walk with Mary, mm-hmm. that um, she really she is the mother of mercy, mm-hmm. and so and because she is a mother and she has that mother's heart of wanting to protect the children of God. Um, she is, she's always drawing us under her mantle and trying to say, come on, little kids, let me show you the way to my son. Yeah. He has every answer that you need. Mm-hmm. And then she takes us by the hand and she leads us to him. And then she protects us like a mama bear. She does. She does. <laughs> she does. Um, she's, she's the best mother ever. Yeah. And I do. Um, I remember consecrating all of my children, all four of them, um, when they were, as soon as they turned seven years old mm-hmm. and they had the ability to kind of pray that prayer of consecration and kind of say yes to, to her, I took them through that because mm-hmm. I wanted to give my children to Mary so that she could take care of them because I knew she would do a much better job <laughs> than I could in yeah. guiding each one of you. And, you know, in that time of darkness that, you know, I was going through during the months where I was very depressed and very lonely and very isolated right after I'd gotten expelled, um, I had a fear of the Lord. I had a big fear of God the Father, you know, yeah. really just coming down hard on me because I had messed up really badly. And I remember still, even though, like, my faith was stagnant, I still remember kind of inviting the Blessed Mother in. Not really forcefully or intentionally, but I left room for her to kind of come and comfort me if she wanted to. And isn't that what we do? You know, we run to mom or we let mom come and talk with us first and mom come and comfort us first. And that's what she did with me. She came and she held me and she brought me the healing that I needed. She brought me her son in the end, you know? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. and that's her role in the spiritual life, mm-hmm. is to always draw the people to to Jesus. And um, so that leads in perfectly to this um, this song that you want to share with our listeners. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about the song? So this song is called The Visitation Song, and it was written um, by one of my college friends. She was in my household, and I can explain what that is a little bit later, but her name is Allie Aaliyah. She is a phenomenal Christian artist, and she wrote this song based on the Magnificat, the prayer about the Blessed Mother, saying, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And that's what these lyrics are, and it's so beautiful because Allie and her sister Jessica sing two parts in this song where Jessica is Mary, and she's voicing that of Mary, and Allie is singing as Elizabeth, and they're conversing in this song and praising the Lord together. So if you haven't heard of her, Allie Aaliyah, she is truly led by the Holy Spirit, and my sister Claire and I are going to sing a cover. I'm on this spontaneous journey, still seeing him glow like So long now 
song as much as I did. We're here with my oldest daughter, Rachel Medina, and she's just about to share some of the deeper experiences, spiritual experiences of her journey. Yeah, so after I got expelled from school, I spent the majority of my year in complete darkness. I was running from the Lord. I was running from the mercy that he was freely offering to me. I didn't know that at the time, though. I didn't know that he was offering me this mercy, this freedom from the chains I had put on myself. And it wasn't until you had encouraged me to go on a Steubenville youth retreat that everything really just changed. The Lord came and rebuilt the temple I had shattered. And he invited me to confession through one of the speakers at the conference. I remember sitting there in the thousands of teens that were there, and one of the speakers got up. It was actually a priest who's actually the president of Franciscan University right now. Father Dave Pavanka got up on that stage, and he said, I feel the Lord prompting me to say something to someone out here. And what he said just resonated within my heart. He said, there is someone here who did something they swore they would never do, and who is running from the Lord. And you are running from freedom. 
And the Lord is inviting you tonight to answer his call and to come to confession and to just let go of all the burdens and all the weight that you are carrying around because he wants to forgive you if you want forgiveness. And I broke down crying, of course. <laughs> you know, how could that man have known what I was going through and what I was thinking and what I needed to hear to get myself in that room with that priest who then said, your sins are forgiven. Amen. You know, so that really just changed everything in my life. That was the moment that I said, okay, Lord, I'm all yours. I am yours. I accept this mercy. I love your mercy and I love you and I want my life to be yours. And I started trying, you know, failing coming back to confession, trying again to be living my life like a Christian would. And that's when I joined the teen ministry that my mom had um, started at our parish, St. Gilbert. That's when I started becoming more involved. I became one of the teen leaders. Um, and that is actually when I came back to my friend Allie and said, I have something to share with you. Oh my goodness. The Lord is changing my life, and I want to share this with you. And so Allie started coming to church with us. Yeah. She started coming to church. I mean, she had been born Catholic and baptized Catholic, but she was not raised to practice her faith. And she saw what it did to me, and she saw what it did to my heart. And, and you know, she was there from the beginning. Right. From the beginning of the depression and the darkness and, yeah. you know being lost, and she saw that I had been on a path where I was being found, and she thought, I want some of that joy. So she came to church, she ended up asking all the right questions, finding all the right people, and she went through RCIA so that she could have her first communion, first reconciliation, and by the end of the year, have her first confirmation, and she asked me to be her sponsor. So beautiful. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorite stories. And, you know, just going back to the moment that Father Dave um, had, was inspired to speak those words that brought you the grace to go to confession. I mean, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. that, that the Holy Spirit knew what you needed to hear to get you into that confessional. Mm -hmm. And what is it we know as Catholics that the sacrament of confession is a healing sacrament. Mm -hmm. That's where real healing of our hearts, the wounds of our sins, are brought to healing by God's mercy and love. Mm -hmm. And so I just always love to encourage the listeners, do not stay away from the sacrament of confession. I know that right now we're in a period of stay at home, and the sacraments are not available to us as they once were, and we need to recognize how precious they are. But when that, um, when this pandemic is over and when we are free to go back to these sacraments, we need to partake of them because mm -hmm. they are such a gift. Such a gift. You know, and I want to focus on um, one other thing that was very, very healing in my life. And that was when it came clean to you and dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I was so scared. Because when I had gotten kicked out, I was, you know denying everything. Yeah. Till my dying breath, I was going to deny <laughs> that I stole $20 from this purse. Yeah. <laughs> and dad, dad was, you know, in the very beginning, he was defending me and he had my back no matter what, because that was who dad was. You know, he, from the very early childhood had said, you know, be honest with me and I will go down for you, you know? So he was the scariest person to come clean to after months of yeah. <laughs> lying, you yeah. know? Um, but what was so cool was when I finally came to you first, you know, first go to mom, <laughs> she'll soften the blow. But I first came to mom and she was very angry at first. I you was. were very angry. I was and hurt. then you were quiet and said, you know what, Rachel? St. Matthew was a thief. He's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? Yes. St. Augustine was also a very big sinner. He's a saint. <laughs> I did, didn't I? You said there are a lot of saints, and they were huge sinners. And, you know, that sanctity is not going to be lost on you. Amen. And so I was like, oh my gosh. And I went and wrote that in my diary. St. Matthew stole. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. That was totally inspired by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yeah. And then the best part was when I was like, Mom, I'm so scared to tell Dad. And you said, I'm going to talk with him. (laughs) And I was so terrified. And later that night, Dad came into my room. And I'm going to get so emotional. (laughs) He came into my room and he said, From the moment you lied to me, I knew. I knew. And I still had your back. But on this day, in this moment right now, I have never been more proud of you for telling me the truth. And I was like, oh my goodness. That is mercy. You know? He held me. He let me cry. And that is the Father's mercy. That is God the Father working through my dad right there. And that's why I look up to him so much. Because... He showed me the Lord's mercy before I could get myself to go and ask for the Lord's mercy myself. Yeah. You know, he was such a vessel. And I'm so proud to call him my dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's so funny because I actually believed you. I know. Right? Whereas dad <laughs> kind of knew you were covering up, but I never knew. I know. <laughs> so I was like... Okay, I'm clueless. But <laughs> Dad knew from the very beginning, and he just let me hold out until I came to him. And that was when he said, I am so proud of you. you That's know? awesome. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. What else do you want to share about your ongoing journey of faith? Um, what led you to Franciscan University? Well, <laughs> that Steubenville conference, after, after having that amazing experience at Steubenville, I... One, had to keep going through those retreats. Oh, my goodness. I went to ten retreats. This was a Steubenville youth conference. (laughs) How long was I going to be a youth? (laughs) You know, I went to ten of them before I finally tapped out and, Uh. you know, went on my way. But um, I was pulling and pulling and pulling more and more people and friends and everyone I could think of to come and experience the Lord the way I had experienced him. And I thought, I want this throughout college years, you know, I want this. I want there to be people pushing me and calling me on and loving me the way a Christian's supposed to love their brother and sister. And so that's why Franciscan University was the only college I applied to. That's amazing. Um, There was someone special that God sent into your life your junior year. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. You might know him as Deacon Tom. And before that, I just knew him as Mr. Tom. I knew him, um, you introduced him to me, Mom, yeah. during a St. Gilbert function. T- TGIF, Teens Growing in Faith. Mm-hmm. He started yeah. working with me in teen ministry. Yeah, um, but he is the funniest, kindest, most amazing, loving individual you will ever meet, and he is a temple for the Lord. The Lord works through this man like no other I've ever met, and... Um, he really walked with me when I finally took a hold of the life the Lord wanted me to live. And, you know, I was clueless. I didn't know what I was doing. And he came in and he brought me under his wing and said, let me teach you. Let me show you. I feel the Lord wants me to guide you, um, with your permission and I want to teach you. So I just, you know... I jumped at the chance to learn from him, and he taught me how to pray. He taught me how to defend myself against, you know, the attacks of the enemy, which are so real, and they followed me throughout the rest of high school, even though I'd had this conversion. They followed me into college, you know, especially... They follow all of us. Right. They do. They really, really do. Um, But... I had returned to the Lord, and Satan was very, very angry. And so he definitely, you know, came down hard to try and get me to stumble, fall, and stay there. And Tom said, you need to put on your armor. Let me show you how. You need to pray these prayers of protection. Let me teach you the prayers, you know. And so even to this day, he is still my spiritual director. He's one of my best friends, and... I don't know where I'd be without him. So once again, thanks Mother Mary. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing him into my life. Yeah. And that's, you know, to me again, it's it's such a witness to how God works, right? He works through his people. Um, and he doesn't expect us to journey alone because he knows that we need each other and we need 
people who understand um, our journey of faith and mm-hmm. can help help challenge us and encourage us mm-hmm. and gently admonish us when we are kind of you know slacking a little bit. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> hold hold us to the standard of of encouraging us down the path of holiness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's been a real blessing. Um, to your life, to my life, to many lives. Yeah. We always joke that um, we're cut from the same cloth and that our guardian angels talk to each other because somehow I always end up <laughs> getting in trouble in one way or another if I start slipping in my walk. And Tom always seems to know. He always sends me a text or calls me up and says, Hey, uh, so how are you doing there? <laughs> you know? And there's one time in particular when I was in college that I had just been in a slump. I had refused to go to my 8 a.m. class every morning. And every morning, you know, I'd set my alarm for 7.59. <laughs> Wake up. Oh, I'll try tomorrow. You know? <laughs> this went on for maybe three weeks straight until one day I let that alarm go. Oh, it's 8.01. I'll try again tomorrow. And ding, ding, ding. I got a text on my phone, and Tom sends me a text saying, get to class. <laughs> that was a, whoa, our guardian angels are talking to each other. And I went running with my tail between my legs, you know, but then I felt really embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, he knows that I'm really struggling. He knows that I am, you know, running away from my, my duties and my responsibilities. And at the first chance he got, he still said, no. I'm proud of you. You're doing well. You're fighting. You know, any encouragement or any slap on the hand I give you is out of love. So, you know, that continually helps me to have those, to have those wake up calls from him, from you, from any of my friends. So. Exactly. And, you know, I think again, it's, it's out of love that God sends us people who will encourage us and call us out when we stumble. Because if, if we don't have someone to help us up, we're going to stay down because right. we're weak. Right. And that's why we um, really benefit when we have someone who's a spiritual mentor, spiritual guide mm-hmm. like that. And you have had a very amazing spiritual mm-hmm. guide in your life. Yeah. There's more about your um, experience at Steubenville. You know, God started leading you a little bit into healing ministry. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little tiny bit about that? Sure. Um, so when I was a freshman, I had joined the prayer ministry on campus. So after every praise and worship on Tuesdays, after every other praise and worship, we would host or hold prayer teams where if anyone on campus was just in need of an ear to listen to or a voice to talk to, we were there to pray with them, just to offer them prayers of encouragement, of love, of advice. And um, I helped lead those teams of prayer. And the Lord continued to just bless me and bless each and every person that was there with his comfort and his love and his mercy. Um, he started blessing me with gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I didn't know each and every one of us have, you know, and he started stirring up into me a fanning of flames for the Holy Spirit. So what did I do? I went and I joined the core team of a retreat called Born of the Spirit, where we focus mainly on our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how he can come to each and every one of our lives and heal us in such beautiful and miraculous ways using those gifts of the Holy Spirit, a gift of wisdom, a gift of healing, a gift of prophecy. Um, it really, really expands into so many things that a lot of people don't even realize are available to us. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I think, um, as Catholics, we don't take advantage of as mm-hmm. much as we should. Absolutely. And, um, the reality is the power of the Holy Spirit coming alive in our lives, in our hearts, um, it changes everything for the better. Um, and yet so many of us maybe haven't been to a retreat where we could experience a greater outpouring the Holy Spirit, where we come alive like that. And the 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 flame is fanned as you, you know, as you call it, Mm -hmm. and it really burns brightly in our hearts, Mm -hmm. which is what we're really called to be. We're we're called to be on fire for the Lord, Mm -hmm. to be in love with him. 
Right. And when I was at Franciscan, you know, I don't think I would have been able to fall and bounce back as often as I did and as well as I did without my sisters that I had. So at Franciscan, we have this um, thing called households. We kind of joke that it's like a fraternity or sorority, but we are based with a foundation of faith. So my household, we were called the Daughters of Zion, and that's where I met Allie, Allie Aaliyah, with that beautiful song, The Visitation. Um, we were all focused, you know, each household had different pillars. My household was focused on five pillars, which was trust, abandonment, praise, open, and healing. And that is where I found even more healing that I didn't realize that I needed, you know, acceptance in my walk. Absolutely. I found that acceptance of a sisterhood finally after years of feeling just rejected by the world, you know, except Allie, except, except you, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were the ones who pushed me to go and start using my voice for the Born of the Spirit retreat. That's where I mainly led praise and worship to help lead prayer teams. And, um, I am still very, very close with many of them even after three years of being graduated. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Why do you think God brought you through all these experiences of healing? Where, how's, where's that led you to today? Well, there was one confession in particular that really snapped, you know, snapped me out of this cycle of choosing to walk away and then coming back and choosing to walk and coming back. And, you know, I still fall away sometimes, but I am so ardently trying to choose the Lord each and every day because during this confession, the priest looked at me and said, why are you playing Russian roulette with eternity? And I thought, whoa, <laughs> that is truth. Like he's being so harsh with me, but it's with love. He wants me to be rejoicing up in the heavens with him one day. What am I doing? And so I started praying to the Lord, Lord, I want to make it up into eternity with you. I do. So set that fire that that's something that never goes away. And more so, I want every person I come into contact with, any, every person I encounter to be up in heaven with me, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do in my life to make a difference so that I can hear you say, well done, you know, when I, when I come and see you one day. And as I was praying, you know, I prayed this for several weeks, but as I was praying one day, um, I heard the Lord say, bring about conversion and healing through my mother's most immaculate heart. And I just, oh, I squealed and I said, I can do that. I know I can do that because I have a devotion to the green scapular. And if you haven't heard of that, it is very similar to the brown scapular, but the Blessed Mother had appeared to a religious sister and said, this scapular is to be worn by those who are in need of conversion and healing. And you are to pray. Pray for us, Immaculate Heart of Mary, now and at the hour of our death, once a day. And the confidence that the prayer, the person who's praying has in the Blessed Mother, the faster that it works. And so I had every confidence, and I had been praying this prayer a lot for a few of my friends, um, for them, who I knew they weren't going to pray it for themselves, and that is a little, you know, uh loophole the Blessed Mother gives is that if someone cannot or will not pray for themselves while wearing the scapular, you may pray it for them in their stead. So I thought, okay, here's my mission. I'm going to start praying this prayer and start offering these green scapulars to those who I feel prompted to and those who ask for healing or ask for help. And I started with a list of five, then it turned into a list of 10. It is now a list of 43 people that I pray for daily by name. And some of these people don't even know that I slipped a green scapular into their house. Um, some people willingly asked, can I have one? Will you pray for me? And out of these people, I, will, I have seen a few marriages go from being broken to healed. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who was Hindu and is now Catholic. I have a friend who was atheist and is now Catholic. I have a friend who is Protestant and is now Catholic. So does it work? Yes, the Blessed Mother is working in our lives right now. She is working in our hearts. And one time when I was praying these prayers, the Lord showed me this beautiful, beautiful vision that whenever I prayed 
this prayer, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for so-and-so now and at the hour of their death, I saw their heart appear in front of me. And whatever was encasing their heart, whether that be cement or thorns or mud or whatever, a little bit of it chipped off. A little bit of it chipped off with each and every heart. Every heart was different. Every heart was in a different place or a different stage of being healed or being conversion. And the Blessed Mother, I heard, whisper into my heart, more shall come. And... And what a beautiful yeah. image. That's one of the most beautiful um, things that you shared with me. It touched my heart deeply when you shared that uh, experience that the Lord gave that vision to you because you said it with such a joy. And you said, Mom, every one of them will be converted because I'm not going to stop praying. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep chipping away mm-hmm. through these prayers. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. Everyone will, yeah, you know, and <laughs> even if... Even if I were to forget a day or, you know, die, the Blessed Mother and the Lord are so, so faithful to their promise. You Absolutely. Know? They are so faithful. So if you haven't got one, get a green scapular and put a miraculous medal on it. It works faster with the miraculous medal is what I've been told by a few priests. Get them blessed and start praying for your loved ones and pray for yourself. Amen. And have faith. And it's because God wants to heal his people. Absolutely. And Mother Mary's part of that healing mission. Oh, yeah. And so it's a beautiful thing. And at one point, you know, when I was wondering, Lord, why do you keep and keep and keep on letting me come back to you? Why? I don't deserve it. Sometimes I don't want it. How do you keep accepting me? And he placed a psalm onto my heart. And so I looked it up right away. And it was Psalm 132, 13 to 14. And it said, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. And that just shook me in my boots because, you know, my household was daughters of Zion. So I said, oh gosh, he loves to be, you know, such a Riddler. And he said, what do you mean, why? Because I want to. I (laughs) desire it. Oh my goodness. I created you for myself. Right. (laughs) I am a jealous God and I want to sit here right in your heart. So keep coming back to me. Keep letting me fix up my throne room so I may sit there. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. And so again, I just want to encourage anybody who's listening today, who's struggling with any kind of woundedness, any kind of hurt, trust in the Lord and his love. I mean, he, he loves you. He created you out of the love of his heart. He created you. He's chosen you and he wants to bring more healing into your life. And part of it may be just through this radio program that you're listening into today. Go to the sacraments. Talk to people of great faith so they can encourage you because again, we cannot do this journey alone. It's too difficult and the enemy is always trying to convince us that we're too far gone and that we'll never be able to find our way back to mm-hmm. God. So, thank you Rachel for sharing um, your beautiful journey of healing. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing for me to witness in my oldest daughter here, who's only 25 and a half years old, um, how much God has done in your young life. But mm-hmm. all for his glory. Amen. All for his yeah. glory. And in this time of, you know, the pandemic, Satan is still prowling, you know. He's trying to make us feel isolated. He's anxious. trying to make us feel anxious. He's trying to make us scared to feel forgotten, saying, Lord, what are you doing? You know? Uh, absolutely. That's when you say, six feet behind me, Satan. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? right. That's Get right. behind me. God is for me. Exactly. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons that um, it, it's neat to be able to interview Rachel on today's show is that because she does have this gift of music and God has used it in, to touch people's hearts. It, it, you know, what do they say? That when you sing, you pray twice, right? right? And it opens people's hearts. Um, music often opens a, the heart to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, the words of Christian music kind of penetrate into the deeper layers of the heart mm-hmm. and may soften someone to finally go, okay, I'm going to stop running, you know? 
things like that. Um, you've seen God work powerfully through praise and worship, Absolutely. haven't you? Absolutely. I've seen, I've seen people be brought to tears, brought to their knees because a lyric touched them, a lyric they felt was written for them. The Lord speaking to you them know? through that music. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, encouraging people to listen to Christian music, it is a beautiful thing to raise your heart to God and to help you to pray to God by listening to Christian music. And if any of you are in the Lake County area, once a month, I, along with um, a team of people, put on a night of praise and worship with adoration at St. Gilbert Parish. So keep an eye out for that to be posted on St. Gilbert's website, because it is really, really a beautiful time to come together and to praise the Lord. Obviously, not right now during our self-isolation, but when this is all done and over with, I really invite each and every one of you to come out, spend some time with the Lord, let Him heal you through His words, and then afterwards, we invite you to come and be prayed with. Come and ask for healing. Come and ask for whatever it is you have been longing to ask for, but have been too scared or had no one to ask, you know, because we have a team to, to pray with you. We have Deacon Tom leading it. Me and my mom are on it as well as several, several other people who have been trained and who have a passion to pray with you. Thank you. Um, that leads us to this final time, um, why don't you share this beautiful last song that was put on your heart um, to share with the listeners? Because we are in a difficult time, and people might be feeling a little bit abandoned by God or you know, uncertain, like, where are you, God, in this very difficult time? Mm -hmm. But we are his beloved. Mm -hmm. And so what do you want to say about this final song? I want to say that I stumbled upon this song, and it is amazing. It is written by Dara McLean. Um, and she recently, I had reached out to her and asked her permission to sing this, and she said, absolutely go for it. Thank you for singing my music. And I encourage you to look her up because this song is led by the Holy Spirit. It is dripping with love and mercy, and the Lord is naming us His. Amen. Your heart so rich with love Overcome with the desire To spend a life with me To hold me in your arms You love me flawlessly
And I'm righteously named And I'm blameless in your eyes And an heir to your grace Cause I'm perfectly chosen And I'm righteously named And I'm Yes, you love me flawlessly.